John 1, Part 1 In the sermon series, The Gospel of John Spoken by Pastor Peter on Karis, do you, do you have a New Year's resolution for this upcoming year? Yes what, What's your New Year's resolution? I want to listen to my family, my parents, and trust God more during this are, year. Are you sure? Like, is that a New Year's resolution your parents gave to you? or do you No, really I want to do it myself. Sure. Yes. Okay, well, that's fantastic. That's a great New Year's resolution. Um, I have a New Year's resolution. I started to play tennis again, and uh, I'm actually enjoying it, but uh, I need to probably lose about 10 pounds because uh, it's actually running havoc on my knees right now. And so is it okay if I could do a New Year's resolution? Of to course. Lose it's not judgmental. Yeah? Okay. <laughs> All right. Yeah, so you should pray for me regarding that. But I don't know what New Year's resolution you have, but I'm pretty sure for some of you, you're excited about 2023, and uh, some of you may not really be that excited about 2023. We're going to start this new series on the Gospel of John, and one of the things we want to do during like the first Sunday of the month, we like to have somebody from our student ministries to come and read the passage. And so I'm going to have Karis read for us uh, John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. And it's going to be in the New American Standard Bible. It's a different translation than I normally pick. Uh, the NASB is the most transliteral translation from the Greek to the English. And so Karis is going to read for us John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him and apart from him. Not even one thing came into being that has come into being. In, his, in him was life, and the life was the light of mankind. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not grasp it. Amen. That is the word of God. Amen. Wow. Let's give it up for Karis. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yep. Thank you. Here you go. So I don't know what resolutions you have, but for some of you, 2023 is really exciting. It's kind of like hitting that reset button. And you have goals for yourself for, 20, for this upcoming year. And it's exciting to come up with those kinds of goals. If you're goal-oriented, I know a lot of you will sort of work real hard to achieving it. Uh, for some of you here, uh, 2022 was really hard. And because it was really difficult, uh, maybe you didn't really have much of a goal coming into 2023 because you're just kind of like surviving. You're barely making it. And it's been a really difficult year. So I don't know what spectrum you're on right now, where you kind of fall under it, whether you're excited about this year or you just want to get on with it because uh, 2022 was the kind of a year you just kind of want to forget. Uh, for me, I would say if I look back at my life, probably one of the greatest years for me in my life was back in 2001, when we were going into 2001. What happened was is that uh, Jenny and I just moved from New Jersey to California to Los Angeles for me to attend seminary. And it was really exciting, the first uh, quarter of school. It was like a dream come true for me to be there, to learn about the Bible, and just meet up with other people. It was our first time being away from family. We just kind of started our new life uh, in Pasadena, California. So 2000 was an excellent, excellent year for us, particularly at the end of that year. And so going into 2001, I was really, really excited about 2001. What are you guys laughing? Yeah? Okay. <laughs> I won't take it personally. But anyway, uh, so going into 2001, I had some goals. I had some resolutions. One was to lose a little weight. I needed to, I needed to shed some pounds. 
Uh, so I was hoping to do that. I was also trying to uh, create some more spiritual goals for myself. I wasn't really a morning person back then, and so I wanted to get up early in the morning to kind of spend some time in prayer. That was another thing. The other goal that I had was that I wanted to start speaking at other churches. I really thought I was ready, and so I thought it would just be a matter of time. As long as I prayed for it, that pastors would start calling me up and start inviting me to speak at their churches. But nobody called me in 2001. I got zero invitations to speak at any churches. So it was an interesting year. But probably the best part of 2001 was that in early 2001, Jenny and I, we found out that she was pregnant with Christina. And it was a complete surprise. We did not plan this. We were, we were just thinking, well, maybe we'll start when we get back to New Jersey. We don't have family out here. And so she was a complete surprise. And so on September 26 of 2001, Christina was born. And it was one of the best things that ever have happened to us while we were out in California. And so when I think about 2001, it was lit. It was lit. Right? My kids are cringing right now. They don't want me to use that word. But it was so good. 2015 was really hard for me. My father had died on November, late November 21st, 2015. And I thought I was prepared for it because I thought, ah, you know what, he's been sick for a couple of years. But when you lose a parent, you really can't put into words what that feels like. And uh, there was a loss there. And I was trying to deal with that reality. So going into 2016, if you asked me, like, what your resolution was, I would just say, I don't have one. I kind of want to just survive this year if I can. And it was a horrible year for me. Not only was I trying to deal with the loss of a father, but that was the year where we began to be more outspoken about racial justice between, for our black and brown brothers and sisters. And we start to see a little bit of an exodus happening of people leaving the church. And it wasn't just folks who just attended. These were leaders that I loved and cared for. They just started leaving the church. And it was so painful for me to deal with that. I started to feel like a failure. But we didn't back down. We kept talking about this because we felt like this is such the heart of the gospel for us. But I'm telling you, 2016 was hell. I didn't want anything to do with it. I was trying to deal with my loss of my father, trying to deal with what was going on in this church. We started had to put a list together of staff people we had to lay off because we weren't getting pe people that walked out were really good givers of the church, and they're no longer here. And so I just, it was one of those whirlwinds where I just, I wanted to just exist. I didn't really want to live. It was hard. I struggled with temptations in ways I never struggled with in that year. And so I went into 2016 just, just hoping to survive. And so I don't know where you're at today. As we jump into 2023, this is the very first day of the year. Some of you are excited. You have goals. Exciting. And then some of you, because of some of the losses and some of the darkness that occurred in your life in 2022, you're just barely limping into this year. Wherever you are, as we launch this series in John, uh, we're going to spend about 18 months to two years focusing on this gospel, about 21 chapters. And... Uh, we're going to look at the first five verses, and really what John is doing is that I think he's going to help us regardless of where you are. Some of you are really excited about this year. Some of you really aren't. You're just kind of like hoping to just kind of survive it. John is going to teach you and I how we can have the right posture as we go into 2023. And so regardless of where we're at, how you feel, he's going to really show us how we can do this. And so I'm, if it's okay, I'm just going to read the passage one more time. John 1, 1 through 5. All right. John 1, 1 through 5. It says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. And the word was God. Logos, word, that is Jesus Christ. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him. And apart from him, not even one thing came into being that has come into being. In him was life. And the life was the light of mankind. And the light shines in the darkness. And the darkness did not grasp it. It's the word of God. Let's bow our heads for a moment in prayer. And so God... 
I know how much you love every single person in this room. You really care for them. God, I pray that they would be able to encounter that today for their own lives. And I don't know if some are here, they're super excited. And some are here where they're just trying to get by because 2022 really did a number on them. They feel beaten down. Lord, I pray that as we look at these five verses that you would really speak to us. Holy Spirit, illuminate something deep within us so that we can hear your voice. And so I pray that the words that come out of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts in this room, I pray that it would be pleasing unto you. It's in your name that we pray and all of God's people said, amen. Amen. Before we get into this passage, let me just kind of give you sort of a background to this text, all right? Uh, the Apostle John was one of the 12 disciples, all right? His brother was James. They were called the sons of thunder many times. He was the youngest out of all the 12 disciples. He was often called the beloved disciple. If you look at the, uh, the picture of the Last Supper, he's the one that's directly sitting uh, to the left of Jesus Christ, right? And so he's right there. So he's known to be the beloved disciple. The Apostle John penned this letter, uh, this gospel, probably anywhere between 80 to 100 A.D., all right, that was about 50 to 70 years after Jesus was crucified on the cross. He wrote this gospel while he was in Ephesus. And this gospel was known as the spiritual gospel. In the early church, this gospel was held in the highest honor because it was authored by a disciple, an eyewitness to the accounts of Jesus Christ. And John the Apostle was also known for writing 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, which we call the epistles, the letters of John. And he also authored the book of Revelations, a significant contributor to the New Testament, as well as a, a disciple of Jesus Christ. And what he's doing here in Genesis 1 through these first five verses, I don't know if you guys caught it, but there is a correlation between Genesis and the first five verses here in John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. Because in Genesis 1, you see the story of creation. And so the author, John the Apostle, he wanted to connect Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ truly did pre-exist before he entered into human history in the first century. That Jesus Christ truly existed beforehand. There was a pre-existence that he actually was a part of the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and he created this world. Let's go to verse 1. Verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him. And apart from him, not even one thing came into being that has come into being. And so Jesus Christ, uh, Jesus the Son, God the Father, and God the Holy Spirit were together. And he created this world even before the world began. They were part of creating the universe in which you and I live in today. And so not, that wasn't the only reason why John penned these words in the first five verses, but he also wanted to prove the pre-existence of Jesus Christ. And that was important because what he wanted to do is that from this point on, after verse five, every teaching of Jesus Christ that proceeds from the chapters that you, you and I are going to be reading for the next two years, every miracle that we see, it's actually a miracle that God did. It's not just a miracle of this man by the name of Jesus, but it was God. Therefore, every word that's spoken, every miracle that you and I are going to be reading over the next year and a half to two years, it is God who did it. And John wanted us to know that. He wanted every single one of us to know that Jesus Christ truly is God. But why did Jesus, who is God, have to enter into this world as a human being? Why? Why did Jesus, who is God, have to enter into this world as a human being? Kind of what Wesley did up here with his son. I don't know if you guys caught it. It was, because of our, it was because of darkness. Because the world was filled with darkness. And the law of Moses wasn't good enough for the people of God to deal with the darkness in which they were going through. Turn with me to verse 4. 
Verse 4, in him was life, and the life was the light of mankind, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not grasp it. Now, some of your translation says the darkness could not overcome it. You see, the light, who is Jesus Christ, he came into this world because of darkness. There was a deep darkness in our world. And what I want you to realize is that when John uses the word world in, in the Gospel of John, you and I have to understand that not as just being the world in which you and I live in. The world is a theological term in the Gospel of John as humanity set against God. So whenever you read world in the Gospel of John, that's what you have to remember. If you guys could write that down. World is defined as humanity set against God. That's really important. Because when you look at John 3.16, which is the most popular verse throughout the entire Bible, you guys all know John 3.16. It says, for God so loved what? The world. So think about this. You and I think of that word world, and you're thinking, well, of course he does. He loves us. But here's what John wants you to grab onto. For God so loved humanity that was set against him. That's powerful. That God loved humanity that was set against him, so much so that he sent Jesus Christ to come and die for us on the cross, resurrect from the dead, so those who believe in him will have eternal life. They won't perish. God sent Jesus Christ here because of the darkness that is this world that's prevailing. The world is a place where you and I, if we're just honest with ourselves, we have a natural propensity to be opposed to the ways of God because of our sinful nature. I'm a broken man. I stand before you as a broken man. I have a broken nature. My kids see it. My wife sees it, right? People witness it. I have a dark place in my own life as well. And darkness in the Gospel of John is synonymous with sin. And so that's really this. So why did Jesus come here? It's because of darkness. But let's just be honest. He came here for sin. Because no matter what, sin is destructive. Sin has the capacity to destroy your life and my life. It really does. And so for a first century Jew, that's the last thing they wanted to see in the Messiah. What they wanted in the Messiah was they wanted someone to come and defeat Caesar and the Roman Empire so they no longer have to live in oppression. That was the version of the Messiah that they wanted. And the reason why Jesus was so scandalous back in the first century, because when he entered this world, he didn't say that he's going to defeat the Romans. He said he's come here to forgive people's sins. And the religious leaders was like, we don't want a new way for that. There's already a way that God's created. We bring a sacrifice to the temple, we offer it, and God forgives us of our sins. We don't want a new way. You see, they didn't think the darkness that they lived in their own life, the sins that they go through in their own lives, needed any help. They just wanted to have power and no longer wanted to be oppressed by the Roman Empire. And sometimes you and I, when we think about this, do you... Understand the significance of the role that Jesus can play in your life today? Do you understand the significance of how he can help you to overcome your sinful nature today? How cool and how amazing that can be for your life. You see, for a lot of us, because we've grown up in the culture of Christianity, when we think about sin, we always think of it as a list of do's and don'ts. And when we just see sin as a list of do's and don'ts, then it's incredibly watered down. It doesn't carry much weight. Sin is a lot more than that. Sin can destroy you. Sin will make you believe that you're nothing but a sinner. Sin will tell you that you're not a child of God. Sin will tell you that you're a child of the enemy. Sin will make you feel not that you're capable of making mistakes. Sin will tell you you are a mistake. That's the power of sin. That's why it destroys our lives. When I was five years old, I, you could say Peter 
Do you know sin? I, I wouldn't be able to. I was five years old. I couldn't define sin. It wasn't in my lexicon. I didn't know how to define it. I didn't even know what it, what, what it was really. But I knew what it looked like. I knew how it made me feel. I was living in Queens. The earliest I can remember, it happened even before when I was a baby. But this is as, as far as I can remember, probably about five. My dad would go to parties sometimes. He'd come home incredibly drunk. Sometimes he'd go to work. He'll come back, maybe hang out with some of his friends, and then he'll come back drunk. And he would be physically aggressive with my mom, me, my sisters. So much so that we knew when he was drunk that as soon as he would try to open the door, he couldn't because he was drunk. He would like, you know, the keys would drop. We knew when we heard that, there was a sense of fear that I felt. I couldn't define sin for you, but at the age of five, I knew what it looked like. And I knew that it could have the capacity to not just hurt me, but to destroy me. And I had to live under the reality of that pain way into my adulthood and try to figure out that I'm not somebody that you can just hurt all the time. I'm not somebody who is a mistake because when a parent abuses you for doing nothing wrong, you really do believe you're a mistake, that there's something wrong with you, that it's something that your parent doesn't like and that's why you're getting abused. And do you know how long it took me to get through that? So you can't tell me in this first year of 2023 that sin is just a list of do's and don'ts because it's not. It can destroy your life. It can just, and that's why Jesus came. He came because he offered a way out for you and I so that we don't have to let our sins be overcome. So we don't have to be overcome by them and feel the weight of it. It's just overwhelming at times. He came so that we can live in the light. That's why he came into this world. And so on this first day of the new year, you and I have to realize that. And we shouldn't be surprised when we see all these terrible things that are happening in our world. We shouldn't be surprised when we start to see all the wars that are happening around us. Not just in Ukraine and in Russia, which is horrible, but we see wars happening in the Middle East. We see wars happening in Africa. There are silent wars that are happening. We shouldn't be surprised when we hear stories on our news feed of family members hurting and even taking the lives of each other. We shouldn't be surprised when we see those things. We shouldn't be surprised when we hear of these young people walking into public spaces, whether it be the malls or the schools, and just shooting up people just wanting to kill somebody because they're living under the power and the tyranny of darkness. We shouldn't be surprised. We shouldn't be surprised that when people are billionaires and they're working on Wall Street, why in the world would they rip other people off? Why would they take people's money and scam them? They already have enough because there's a darkness in this world that will destroy you and I if we don't deal with it. The sad thing is that for some of you, you've encountered such darkness in your life. As a result of it, you're living under that darkness right now and under its power. But today on this first day of the new year, Jesus says, stop. It doesn't have to be it. I'm the light. You place your hope in me. That darkness, that sinful nature no longer will destroy your life anymore. But the first thing is this, you and I have to realize that we have a natural propensity to lean towards the darkness. You have to realize that that's the truth. That's something in your own life that you naturally have. And you know what the enemy has done? He's told you that that lifestyle 
is fun. It's a lot of fun. When I was in college, I had a, a Russian roommate. He was an immigrant from Russia. And his name was Oscar. He was pledging for a fraternity, ZBT. They made him do things during pledge, pledge week or pledge month. I forget how long it was. I mean, it would be illegal today, right? But, but after he became a fraternity brother, uh, he would go out and parties. And for me, even though I was in college, I went to bed every day before 12 o'clock, midnight. I just, I couldn't stay up. I tried, and it was not fun for me. So I'm like, why am I, like, trying to hurt myself? Just go to sleep. So I sleep before 12 every day. And on the weekends, he would be out partying with his frat brothers. He'd come in, and he's usually very respectful, great roommate. But when he was drunk, he was a horrible human being. He'd come in, he starts singing, yelling. He starts saying, hey, Peter. And there was a couple times he would throw up in our sink because he drank so much. And then I would help him, I'd clean him up, and I'd put him in bed. And then, you know, next day I'd go to church, and I'd come back, if it was like a Saturday to Sunday, and he's still sleeping. By the time he wakes up, he's so hungover, he's in pain, he's throwing up. He said, oh, my God, Peter, like, I'm never going to do this again. I am never going to do this again. This is horrible. And you know what he did the next weekend? <laughs> yeah, the exact same thing. He got plastered. It was like a cycle, a vicious cycle, that even though he knew the pain he was going to go through, he was going to throw up, he was going to be in misery, he still did it. Why? Because the enemy made him to believe that's fun. And it's all about having fun, right? I worked in television for four years when I was in school after I graduated in my early 20s, and I'm telling you, I would come on the Mondays, and I'd, people would say, hey, what would you do on the weekend? They'll be sharing. Man, I partied, man. Went to the bars, met people, got drunk. It just doesn't change. And now I'm getting close to 50. I have neighbors in Leonia. I have friends who aren't, you know, Christians, and I'm talking to them. And you know what? Even though we're, like, we're getting old, they still want to get drunk and blasted. They think that's fun. And what the enemy wants you to think, he wants you to think that life is about having fun. And if you participate in some of these things that leads to this darkness, you're going to have fun. Here's the thing. You're not supposed to live your life for fun. You should dedicate your life for joy, not fun. Fun is something the world creates, but that fun many times, it sets you against the ways of God. You've got to be careful. Now, I don't want to, I know some of you are sensitive right now, especially if you went to Michigan. <laughs> not good for you, man. I have a friend. He stopped texting me after the third quarter. He was so infuriated. So in. Football should be fun. But that's it. It shouldn't give you joy. It shouldn't be linked to joy. And so do you get this, how deep and dark our lives can be and how sin can destroy our lives? So then how do we overcome it? How do we overcome sin? How do we overcome sin? Grasping onto Jesus Christ. That's it. Grasping onto Jesus Christ. Look at verse 5. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not grasp it. All right? Grasping Jesus Christ rather than grasping onto darkness. The light will always overcome the darkness. There is no challenge. It will overcome it. But you got to grasp onto Jesus. I love that word because when you grasp onto something, you're holding on for dear life. Right? And that's the image that I want you to carry into 2023. God wants you to grasp onto his son, Jesus Christ. He doesn't just want you to hold Jesus' hand lightly or with one finger. Okay? He wants you to grab hold of him, to grasp on him, to hold firmly, tightly, knowing that if you let go of Jesus this year, you could hurt yourself. That's the image I want you to see. My wife and I, we went hiking back in March 
And uh, we did Arizona, we did Utah, we did, you know, all the places, Sedona National Park, we did the Grand Canyon, we did Bryce, we did Zion. We had an excellent time, thanks to Janelle and Steve. They gave us an itinerary, and we just followed it. And um, one of the things they told us to get was the hiking poles. And they said, you need that. And I'm thinking, well, that's for old people. I don't need it. You know, I'm not that old. I, I should be okay. They said, no, get the hiking sticks. You need that. And so I did, and I'm so glad I did, because there were parts of the mountains that we were climbing, um, th there was snow, because it was March. It was still cold. And uh, I'm telling you, it's so slippery. And going up is not as bad as going down. And, like, I grabbed onto my poles. I put so much weight onto it and grasped it so hard, I actually broke one of them. So by the end of the trip, I only had one left. And I'm using one, and I'm like, please, I don't want to break another one. But I grabbed onto I fell. We were walking down the Grand Canyon, down this cliff, and it was all ice. And we didn't have it. I was laughing. I know it's, you would have laughed even more because I fell. And I slid down. And, and there's nothing protecting you to falling off the edge of the cliff. You could die. And so we did it for about a quarter mile. And then something said, I said, we can't do this. We got to go back up. But that stick, I grabbed hold of it. I knew that if I, didn't, if, I, if I held on to that gently, I wouldn't have a chance. I would hurt myself. That's how God wants you to hold on to Jesus this year. He wants you to grasp onto him with dear life, knowing that if you let go of that, darkness will, over, will, will destroy your life this year. Your sinful nature will work itself out in a way where it will overcome, it, it'll overcome every good thing in you. You've got to be careful. So the big question is this, and then I'm done. How do you grasp onto Jesus? How do you do it? One thing, repentance. If you want to grasp hold of Jesus for dear life, you got to repent. All right? But we got to talk about this because if I'm going to be honest, the majority of us in this room, we're really bad at it. We're really bad at it. See, repentance is more than just confessing God, confessing your sins, saying, God, forgive me my sins. Because the majority of you, you just think repentance as confession. Right? God, forgive me of my sins. That's wrong. That's not repentance. Repentance is not only asking God to forgive you of your sins, but that word in the Greek literally means for you to walk the opposite direction of whatever sin that is. And you're walking towards God. So it's intentional, not just asking God to forgive you, but it's asking God, it's separating yourself from those sins and so that there can be some distance created between you and that sin. That's what repentance is. Walking the opposite direction of whatever sin it is that you and I have fallen under. All right? Listen, I am not a sin police. I'm the last thing for that. But what I've learned over the years is that you have to do that. And we can do it. And the reason why Jesus came 2,000 years ago is so that we can do it and we can do it with an incredible amount of regularity. Because back in the first century, do you know what they had to do in order for their sins to be forgiven for a typical Jew? Many times they had to go to the temple. And there was only one in Jerusalem. And there were synagogues. Or they go into synagogues. And they would offer an animal and they would sacrifice that animal and use that blood and say, God, forgive me of my sins. That's what they would do. And that wasn't working. It wasn't working because people wouldn't go there with frequency. It wasn't really working. And so Jesus, when he came and he died for us on the cross and he resurrected from the dead, we now, the light is in our hearts. It's in our lives through the power of the Holy Spirit. And we can go to him and we can repent with an incredible amount of frequency. And you should feel empowered to do that. You shouldn't feel guilted upon to doing it. Look what Jesus says in John 14, 17. This is really cool. He says, he is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. 
When Jesus says that, what he's saying is that later when I die and resurrect from the dead, then the Holy Spirit will be in you. That's the gift of the Holy Spirit. The proof text of that is in Romans 5.5. It says, for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. Because the Holy Spirit lives within us, we can go to God with an incredible amount of frequency and regularity and ask him not only to forgive us of our sins, but to consciously walk the opposite direction of our sinful nature. Now, here's the struggle. All right, if you're anything like me, I think what happens with humans, with Christians in the 21st century, is that we go through two things. We struggle with two things. The first thing is this. We are so smart and we figured out loopholes. When we say to ourselves, well, I will commit this sin because I know God will forgive me. That's a dangerous place to be. That's, a, that's, that's a, an, ed, an edge that you're, that you're flirting with that you don't want to go. You're not grasping onto Jesus when you, when you sort of spiritualize your sins. I'll do this because Jesus will forgive me. Okay? Theologically, he will. That's true. But that's kind of messed up that you go through premeditation on sin. Right? And the other spectrum is this. When you commit it, you, don't, you feel so guilty that you don't want to ask God to forgive you. You don't feel like you deserve the mercy of God because you keep doing the same thing over and over and over. These are the two extremes that we suffer from. And the reason why, like, I, I know that is because those are the two extremes that I go through, that I've gone through in the 48 years, pretty, I'm going to be 48 in a few months, 48 years of my life. I've struggled, where I've, I've hit those two spectrums. Where I'm like, well, I can do this sin. Jesus will forgive me. Or, God, I don't even deserve your mercy. I just, I deserve to be shunned from you for the rest of my life. And this is why the gift, the light is so important because Jesus says, when you have the Holy Spirit in you, you're going to be able to encounter my presence all the time. Romans 8.5, Romans 8.5, those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. I want you to know that when you're struggling with guilt, you're living in your sinful nature because guilt is sin. When you ask God to forgive you and you feel a sense of guilt, then it's really about your performance at that point. You shouldn't feel guilt when you ask God to forgive you of your sins and confess and you try to make a conscious effort to walk the opposite direction. When you're doing premeditated sin, I'll do this because Jesus will forgive me, uh, you're living in your sinful nature. So those are both wrong. But what I want you to know is that if you repent the right way, you're grasping onto Jesus Christ. The best way to repent is found in Matthew 18.20. Here we go. Matthew 18.20. You guys know this. This is nothing new. For where two or three gather in my name, there am I with them. Let's go to James 5.16. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Confessing your sins by yourself alone with God will often not be an attempt that you're grasping onto Jesus Christ. You're holding him to some level. I'm not telling you to... Stop doing it. Keep doing it. I think that's great. But the area that all of us fall in so much, you don't confess it to anyone. Nobody knows your sins, man. You have kept that under a dark secret. And it's time that you begin to open yourself up this year. In 2023, my goal for you is this. My challenge for you, 12 times. Will you confess your sins to somebody 12 times in 2023? Meaning once a month. Will you get together with somebody in this church? they got to be somebody of the same sex. Sit down with them and do it together. So it's not just one person confessing. You guys confess together. And when you do that, when they confess, 
you say, because of your confession, your sins have been forgiven. But also, because God will always let us get away with those sins, if we're going to be in those kinds of relationships, we can't let the people that we're in relationship with get away with it so quickly. We've got to ask them, why? Why? Why did you do this again? Let's talk about this. Can I help you? Is there anything I can do to better help you to walk faithfully during this season of your life? In 2016, I am telling you right now, I cursed more than I've ever cursed in my life. Not out loud, really, but really internally. Like, I was cursing all the time. Traffic jam, cursing. Long lines at Costco, cursing. Right? Somebody cuts me off, cursing. Right? Nobody knew I was doing it. I just did it inside. I was angry and mad and bitter. It was awful. I also struggled with Lust in a way I never struggled with before in my life. Adultery was real in my life at that point. Right? A desire for adultery was there. I struggled because I was going through like this, the death of my dad and dealing with all the different sin, like the people leaving the church. It was this dark period. And I'm telling you right now, I would not have made it out alive if it wasn't for my soulmates. I met up with them. I confessed everything to them. And they were good. They kept me accountable, and they said, what do I need to do to help you? And you know what I've learned as I look back now in 2023? 2016 was one of the greatest years of spiritual growth for me. Here's what I learned. If you want to overcome darkness, you've got to learn to wrestle with it. You've got to stare it in the eye and grapple with it in some ways and fight it. You can't just try to avoid it. You've got to fight it. And what I did was this. I realized that when you fight alone, you're not going to last you will lose every time. But when you bring some brothers with you, some of your soulmates, it's like a gang, man. You, you bring it back up, man. People are backing you up. You ain't going to go down so quickly. You got backup, man. That's what it's about. And I had backup. I had these guys that said, I'm not going to let you go down. Like literally, they, they were like this. If you go down, we go down with you. I call those people soulmates. And you know what those people are? They're found in Ecclesiastes 4.12. This is why this is so biblical. Ecclesiastes 4.12. Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. One is easily defeated. Two can defend themselves, but a cord of three strands, oh no, it's not quickly broken. That's how you wage war with your darkness. That's how you wage war with your sinful nature. So this year coming up, the posture that I want you to have in 2023 is this. Will you confess your sins 12 times to somebody? Because when, she, when you do that with a fellow Christian, Jesus is there. The sad thing is that what I find over the years is that some of you, you find too much of your identity in your sins. Meaning, you find your identity in your sinful nature. That's why you won't share it with anyone. If you know you're a prince or a princess of the king of kings and lord of lords, you're going to be able to share it because you know it doesn't define you. It doesn't define you. So why are you holding back? Why are you trying to do this by yourself? Because one is easily defeated. Two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. You've got to be open to this. Because if you're not, you're not grabbing hold of Jesus in 2023. You're maybe just giving him a finger and saying, I'll hold you, but just grab onto one finger. Don't you want to grasp hold of Jesus? If you grasp hold of Jesus, what it means is that you give, him, give all of yourself to him. And you don't live this life with any secrets. That if you were to die tomorrow, you would die fully known by some people. And they'll walk with you. The only reason why I really know I'm a child of God is not because I don't sin. Because I have three brothers in my life that will keep me accountable. But at the end of the day, they allow me to tangibly and concretely 
literally experience God's grace being poured over my life. And it's overflowing, Metro. Overflowing. So I want to encourage you for 2023, 12 times, set a goal. You know what's amazing? Some of you say you have soulmates, but you don't confess your sins to each other. And I find that mind-boggling. Why wouldn't you confess the darkest areas to your humanity? Why would you say you have somebody in your life that you're really close to that you can open up to and you never confess your sins? It's not easy. I, I give you that. But it's an absolute necessity. Because when you do, the light of Jesus Christ will come. One is easily overpowered. Two can defend themselves, but a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. In 2019, I did a workshop. I just felt like I needed to do a workshop on soulmates because I knew that people didn't know. Everyone kept asking me, what do we do? What do we do? How do we do this? And so I did. I did a soulmates workshop, and about 45 people attended in 2019. And it was virtual because it was during COVID. And so I taught the workshop, and afterwards, I said to people, I said, listen, if you guys want to be paired up into soulmates, I can do that for you. But you got to send me the email. I'll come up with the list. I'll curate it, and I'll figure you out, and I'll partner you guys up all right, in pairs. And so we did that. And I'm sad to say that only about 10 people signed up for that out of the 45. But I pair people up and stuff like that. And there was a group. There was five, I think five guys. There was a, a group that I already, I paired one, two, uh, a pair up. And then there were these three guys left over. And I looked at that list and I was, those three guys, and I'm like, oh, no, this is not going to work out. <laughs> I mean, they couldn't be any more different. All right? Scott Post, Pastor Ansi's husband. All right? Uh, Jose, who's from Guatemala, living in Guatemala. All right? I was like, that's going to be a tough one. He's not even in New Jersey. And then Sean Kung, who is in our church, he just started coming, and he's Chinese-American. I mean, they couldn't be any more different, right? I mean, one's white, right? One is Guatemalan, and one is Chinese-American. They're so, and their life stages are completely different. One has kids, married. One is engaged to get married, and one is single. So I'm thinking, it's not going to work, man. Like, they never even knew each other before this workshop. Like, Scott was like, I never met Sean at church. I don't even know who he was. Sean had his doubts. He's like, I don't know if this is going to work out. Like, I don't know if we're going to put forth the work to, to make this work out. And I got together with Josue every month because he's, he's one of our pastors here at this church. He came here in, in June. And I said to myself, I said, well, you know, Josue, let me sort of like meet with you every month, check in on you, mentor you and that stuff. Because we want Josue to eventually be a, one of our pastors here. And he is right now. And so, so I would meet with him and I always... I would be a little hesitant to ask because I just believe that they're not going to connect. All right? Because one's in Guatemala, two's in New Jersey. They're not going to see each other. I just, I just believe they're not going to meet. So I ask him usually at the last, like, check-in. I'm like, uh, are you still meeting? And he said, yeah, we meet every week. I'm like, really? He's like, yeah, every week we get together. We Zoom every week. I said, wow. You guys confessing your sins? Yeah, we're confessing our sins. And I got together with them last week just to kind of talk with them. And I wanted, I wanted to just kind of hear their story and, uh, and try to unpack it. So Josue moved here back in, in June. And they uh, meet up still to this day every week. In person, they meet once a month. But the other three times, they do it over Zoom. Scott does work, and he travels internationally for his job. And so he said, even when I travel, we meet up on Zoom, no matter what. And we confess our sins to each other. We keep each other accountable. We, not, we say your sins are forgiven, but we also don't let each other off the hook. Sean said, he, I was skeptical. I didn't know if this group was going to put in the work. And he said he's so surprised. And one of the things we talk about in the workshop is we say that, you know what, like you got to also get together, have some fun, like go travel together. Just do life and have a good time, right? But here's the crux of what you need to do. And these guys, man, they're, they're exemplary. They followed it to the T. 
And as a result, when Josue got back here, I remember I saw Scott seeing Josue for the first time and the embrace that he gave him. He gave him this great embrace. And those two guys were his best men in his wedding. And I think we got a picture of that too at his wedding, which is a really cool thing. Um, and you just see what God is doing there. And then they told me recently they went to like this escape park. It was like an aerial park and they just did that. And they, they had a great time like, you know, doing like, you know, uh, the zip lining and all that stuff. They just had a great time. And then they just kind of hung out. They went back to Scott's house. They watched some TV. They fell asleep on the couch and just kind of hanging out doing life. Pretty cool, right? Pretty cool. But let me ask you something. When you see those pictures, what do you see? What do you see? You see these three guys having fun. And some of you guys, you're like, man, I want that. I would love to have that. That would be nice to have that in my life, right? Because you think it's fun. You know what I see when I look at those three pictures, those three photos? I see three men who are grasping hold of Jesus Christ. I see three men who truly understand that one is easily defeated, two can defend themselves, but a quarter of three strands is not quickly broken. And here's the thing of why they're changing and they're being transformed. Because they're doing something that, men, we, we hate this word. We don't like this word. It kind of like the hair on the back of our neck stands up. You know what they're experiencing regularly? Intimacy. Intimacy. And they're able to share their hearts with each other in a way that they've never done before. And God is doing a beautiful, great work in them. They couldn't be more different, but their unity is found in Jesus Christ. And so on this day, first day of 2023, 12 is the number I want you to think about. I would recommend 24. That would be my recommendation, but at least 12. Will you at least connect with somebody in this church and confess your sins 12 times this year and see what God will do in your life? That's how you grab hold of Jesus Christ in 2023. And you'll see your dark side, your darkness, you're going to be able to overcome it because you have the body of Christ supporting you and helping you through this. Don't be a lone ranger. Don't be a lone ranger. Depend upon the body of Christ. Spiral heads for a moment of prayer. So the commitment I want you to make today is this, 12. Will you confess your sins 12 times this year, at least, to somebody in this church? Or if you don't come to this church, then somebody in your other church or your fellowship, whatever it might be. I'd encourage you to go 24 instead of 12 because really it's, it's hard to remember all the sins you've committed in a month. And uh, sometimes you really forget. What's holding you back from that? Because you hear me talk about this almost every time I come up here. But why? Don't you know that when we do that, you're actually grasping hold of Jesus Christ? And so would you make that commitment right now? I'm going to give you just a few moments and I'm going to pray for us. Lord, thank you for coming to this world 2,000 years ago. And even though it wasn't what the Jewish people expected, it's not what they wanted, but it's what they needed. They needed a new way to overcome their darkness, their sinful nature. And that's why you enter into this world. And so I pray for my brothers and sisters, for those, God, who are praying that they would do this for this next year, 
first of all, God, I pray that they would be super intentional about just going up to somebody and saying, hey, can we do this? And God, you give them the courage to. And as they do that, Lord, I pray that you would join them and they would encounter literally a revelation of you. And I pray that we all as a church would be able to have some victory over our sinful nature, that we would never be defined by it and never be destroyed and discouraged by it. But God, that we would be able to overcome it, defeat it through the power of repentance. And so God, help us. Help us and make us to believe today that unless I have some fellow brothers or sisters in my life, I can't really do this Christian thing. I cannot grasp hold of Jesus Christ. So I pray that you guide us as a church in 2023. In your name we pray. Amen.